father's tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, how are you? This is Coach Kevin Furtado of the Championship Vision Podcast, episode 272 with Coach Robert Brost. Rob Brost is the head boys basketball coach at Bolingbrook High School in Bolingbrook, Illinois, a suburb just west of Chicago. Brost is the winningest coach in school history, having led the Raiders to seven consecutive 20-win seasons while advancing to the IHSA Final Four twice. They were ranked among the top 20 teams in the nation. He was named Coach of the Year by the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association in 2015, 17, 18, and 19. Coaches, uh, Coach Bros is going to talk about a really interesting stub, uh, subject called man-left defense, a uh, defense that uh, I've been trying to incorporate a little bit into our program this year. He's going to talk about how we as Coaches can uh, install this great man-to-man defensive system into your program. Let's welcome Robert Brost. Coaches, uh, welcome back to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado again, episode 272 with a special uh, guest, Coach Robert Brost. Uh, He's the head boys basketball coach at Bolingbrook High School in Bolingbrook, Illinois. He's got a great program out there. I've been really studying him and so forth. And he's got an excellent topic, a topic that I'm very interested in. I know many other coaches in a man left defense, which I think more coaches should incorporate, particularly if you're a girls basketball coach, right, Rob? Well, I mean, I I coach boys. I coach boys. So it's been effective with us. And we're obviously, you know, we're in the biggest class of, of Illinois basketball. So it's a pretty high level of high school basketball, but I think what's been great about the man left for, not just for us, but you can use concepts of this really at any age level and any skill level. So, um, you know, as we get more and deeper into it, I'm looking forward to that piece, but I think it's applicable um, to, to really any level of basketball. Absolutely. And coach, give us a, 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 tell us about your, your bio a little bit, how you got started in the game. Who are some of your key influencers that led you to your coaching philosophy? And uh, we're looking forward to kind of hear a little bit about you. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I grew up in Iowa. I played for a hall of fame high school coach, Jerry Slykus uh, at Cedar Falls high school in Iowa. And so that's where I kind of got my feet wet uh, being around legendary coaches and, um, you know, coach like unfortunately passed away in a car accident about five years ago, but he hall of fame coach in Iowa, um, was one of the founders of snow Valley basketball schools with Don Showalter, who's another one of my uh, big influencers, um, coach Showalter and coach like were best friends. Um, and, and, you know, along with coach like coach Showalter, who's obviously won 10, 10 gold medals with USA basketball yeah. uh, and, and is one of the most respected 
uh, basketball minds in the country uh, has really been a huge mentor of mine, um, you know, along with Coach Slykas. So, um, you know, from the high school level, those guys have really influenced uh, what we've done. And then, you know, uh, uh, coaches like Mike Neighbors, who's the women's coach at, at Arkansas, I've, I've used uh, a lot of his things. He's become a good close friend of mine as well. Uh, in fact, last year during the COVID, you know, I just went down there and spent a whole day with him and just, you know, spent time with him going over things, et cetera. And, and you know, the COVID has provided uh, me with some, some other influencers as well. You know, I got to, got to know Coach Frank Martin uh, very well. Uh, over that time too. And we were on zoom after zoom after zoom, just talking hoops. <laughs> and so, you know, he, he has been a, a great mentor and uh, a great friend of mine as well. So, you know, I try to, like you were saying before we jumped on the air, uh, I try to take little bits and pieces from, from pretty much everybody that I run into and, and we can always grow as coaches. And that's what, you know, I really try to do. And then consequently help other coaches and share knowledge and share, uh, you know, what, what I can to, to help grow the game. So I know that's what you're doing with this podcast and I really appreciate you having me on and I, I'm, I'm always here to help. And it, anybody who's listening, you want to contact me directly, I'll, I'll, I'll leave my email, cell phone, all of that stuff. So people can contact me uh, if they have any questions or, or anything like that. Yes, and you mentioned some great guys. I know uh, Don Showalter. Uh, I mean, just we have – I utilize his own offensive uh, concepts and so forth and gaps and all that kind of stuff. He's got, he's got – he's just a great teacher of the game. I mean, mm-hmm. do you think enough coaches really study great teachers of the game or are we more interested in, you know, the, the team offense or team defense? Because some great guys out there that really uh, teach the game. They're master teachers. Yeah, I, I think that's really important because it, it's like Coach Showalter says, to borrow one of his phrases, it's basketball is very overcoached but undertaught. Exactly. Uh, you know, <laughs> he uses that all the time. And I've been fortunate to work with Coach Showalter with USA Basketball several times as a court coach. And that's really helped influence um, my philosophies as well on both sides of the basketball. But more than that, it's helped me understand you know, your relationships with your players and building rapport, not only with your players, but with your assistants, your parents, uh, your stakeholders at your school, your administration. And so I'm really big on building rapport uh, with with not only your players, but the players are the first piece of that. And, and then uh, consequently to all stakeholders that, that have a piece uh, of your program. And, you know, we like to say Bolingbrook High School is a do it all place meaning that you have to take care of your business in the classroom. You have to take care of your business in the community. And then obviously you have to take care of your business on the court as well. And so we want to live by that, not only for our players, but for our coaches as well. And a lot of that is building rapport with the people that you come in contact with, whether that's players, parents, um, booster club members, you know, guys like you, we, we've never met face to face until this is this Zoom call. And, you know, my hope is that our relationship continues to grow after this call. And so, um, you know, those things are what really set the foundation to, to any program. And I'm not just talking basketball. You could talk small business. You could talk large corporations, whatever you want to, however you want to put it. Uh, but that's, that's what life is, is uh, building relationships and then being able to, um, 
you know, hold everybody to a certain standard. We talk about to our guys all the time, basketball brings us together, but um, the relationship is what's the most important piece. And so, you know, once we get those things established, then we can get on to things like man left and zone offense and race and space and pace and all of that stuff. Uh, um, and like we talked about before I, uh, we came on the air, I've, I've spoken at, you know, probably a hundred clinics and I would say 90% of them have been on our offense and how we score the basketball and, and the pace that we play with. And I would say the other 10% would be on building rapport. I've spoke at a couple of clinics on building rapport and relationships with our players and all our stakeholders. And as I was telling you before we jumped on the air, I have not presented man left at all, not to one clinic, but I've made honored. Yes. But I've made the video. So, uh, you know, so I'm going to do the best I can tonight, but I don't have a lot of stuff like ready to show you uh, like that, but you know, obviously it's been very effective for us. So I'm looking forward to jumping into it here tonight. Rob, tell us about Illinois basketball, because I have, you probably know a guy named Will Ray who coaches out there a little bit different philosophy as far as zones and so forth but what a great teacher of the game I've, I've actually talked to him twice yeah. on my podcast um talk about the great mentors in Illinois that you're uh that you know plus you're in a great program you built Bolingbrook into an absolute just great program and talk about the history of Illinois basketball I mean there there's a rich history out there yeah I mean obviously you know, when you talk Illinois basketball, the history is deep and long uh, and, and high school basketball is big over here. And, and I know it's big in other places as well, but I'm a little biased to, to this area um, just because of the quality of player and the quality of coach uh, coaches that we have here. And I know there's good quality coaches all throughout the country. And I know there's good quality players all through throughout the country as well. But this is what I know uh, our area here. We're in Illinois' biggest class, and it is ultra-competitive year in and year out. Uh, and we, we constantly have some of the best teams in the country and constantly have um, some of the best coaches in the country. And so, you know, it's always a challenge to be competitive uh, over here, in particular when you're a public school uh, that doesn't recruit and do all that other stuff. And I'm not going to get all into that. That's another podcast. Exactly. So, um, so, you know, we, we uh, try to do our best with, uh, w- with the guys that we have. And obviously we've had some really talented players, but our, the success of our program kind of speaks for itself. And, um, you know, most of that uh, has been because of the relationships that we've been able to build, number one. And then number two, we've had some really talented players. And then obviously number three, we've been able to put those players in positions to be successful. And so, you know, we have a couple players in the NBA now. We have several players at, at the high major level and several players at the mid-major level, and then a slew of players, you know, at the D2 and D3 levels uh, playing right now. So, you know, it's, it's been a great experience. Uh, but you go back to, the, you know, the great Peoria teams of the early, late 1990s, early 2000s. Those are some of the best teams. You go back even further, you can get some of those Joliet teams of the 70s. Uh, and some of the best players ever to play the game are from Illinois and played uh, high school basketball here in the state of Illinois. So the tradition is rich and the tradition is long. And, and we like that, that we're a part of it now. Yeah, my last school I was at, um, we had our, our headmaster was Otho Tucker. OK, uh, a longtime legend. I don't know if you remember him, played a little bit for the Celtics and uh, 
played for uh, Illinois. Matter of fact, yeah, great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he always tells me all the stories about him and uh, Lou Henson, all, okay. all the yep. great yep. Illinois teams yep. out there yep. and so forth. So uh, I've heard it all about Illinois, man. I'm telling you. Well, it's, it, it, it's a great place. It's a great place for basketball. And, you know, as soon as you mentioned Lou Henson, that brings me to one of my good friends, Stephen Bardo, who played on the yeah, yeah. Illini teams in 1989. And, and that's one of the best teams and one of the most fun teams ever to, to watch. And they kind of even started the small ball positionless, uh, you know, thing that we're seeing now that they kind of were the, one of the first to actually do that and be really successful with that. So, um, you know, the tradition is long and rich here in Illinois. And, and like I said, we're just happy to be a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Coach, let's get right into, first of all, maybe even the analytics and how you form your philosophy on man left. Uh, Cause I've studied you and I, I, I kind of got the idea and that's why I'm incorporating, particularly at the girls level more and more. How did you create this defensive concept? Well, I didn't come up with a lot of the concepts from scratch, to be honest with you. I, uh, you know, I heard uh, Coach Dave Smart uh, up in, yeah. in Canada was kind of doing something, you know, five, six, seven years ago. And so, you know, I started looking at what he was doing. I've never talked to him. I've never spoke with him directly, uh, but I, I got some tape of theirs. And then, um, you know, I started studying what they were kind of doing, uh, a left type of defense type of thing. And then that morphed into they were scouting each player individually and forcing most of them to the left. And then, um, you know, Tyler Costin from PGC Basketball had the lock left uh, principles um, that he was he started doing. Uh, and so I I took a little bit of that, took a little bit of what uh, Coach Smart was doing in Canada. And then the the advantage that I have is like I have a team to tinker with. And right. so. I had, I can actually put these things into action. And so we started doing a version of lock left um, that, uh, from what Tyler had called it. Uh, and then we have tweaked it, you know, several different times doing several different things with it um, over the last four or five years. And so, um, you know, the original part of it, uh, forcing everything to the left, you know, admittedly, I got that most of that from Coach Smart and Coach Costin from PGC. And then, you know, the tweaks that we've been able to put in, like splitting the floor into thirds, like, um, you know, some of the other simple things that we'll get into here in, in a little bit. Those are tweaks that we have made that have been effective for us because we noticed what was working and what was not working um, off the original. So, you know, just like we do with any of our offenses or defenses, we start with something and then we tweak it to whatever we like and whatever, you know, fits our personnel at that time. And so, you know, we've been able to make all of these adjustments, which culminated then with the video uh, through Breakthrough Basketball uh, that came out a few weeks ago. So, you know, like I said before, we're more known for our offense around here. But for some reason in the last year or two, people at colleges have been calling me, uh, you know, both men's and women's at the college level. Hey, tell me about this. What do you do on this? How do you defend this? That type of thing. All about uh, man left. And so somehow it got back to somebody that I was a guru of this defense. So, um, you know, here we are um, sitting here in, in 2021 and, uh, you know, 
the video is out now and, and uh, I'm happy to share and help anybody, you know, incorporate any bits of this, all of this, uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter to me. I'm an open book and I'll, I'll help anybody with anything. Yeah. And I really want you to help me out and so forth, because um, I love, I love your term gray area where that's where ultimately where you're trying to force uh, yep. the ball. And what's interesting is when I go through my, everybody has huddle, I see yep. where it's amazing. I see where all the shots are missed. It's that, yes. you know, it's that mid range, whether it's on the right side or the left side, but yes. majority of the shots are missed in that left side that you, what you call the gray area. Yeah. And, and that's where we want, what, what we ultimately want is possessions to end quickly in our man left defense, because we want to get it out and we want to score. And so again, that's what we're known for is the scoring piece. Uh, but not many people rewind it back to how we, how we do it. And so a lot of it starts on the defensive end and a lot of it is forced into that gray area um, that, that we call, you know, kind of the, the end line baseline area where I tell my guys, nothing good is going to happen from there. And if something good happens for them right there, we don't care. We're getting it out of the net and we're gone. Um, and so, you know, we, we want, majority of the shots to come from that area and so you know we we get it there by doing several different things and and we can talk about that here in, probably sure. in just a few months few minutes um but we really want the best shot for us is a pull-up mid-range shot on the left-hand side of the floor and, and and then the next best shot for us as a defense as funny as it sounds is a contested left-handed layup and so I know people are like you're forcing layups well we're forcing left-handed layups and they're contested without fouling and so the number one shot for us is that mid-range in the left on the left in the gray area uh, as as we referenced earlier and then uh, you know the next best shot after that for us as a defense is a contested shot on the left-hand side like a three or something but Technically, that should not happen or should rarely happen, uh, especially on the left-hand side. Yeah, and, and it's amazing. Yeah, I, I mean, you've worked for the Chicago Bulls in the training academy and yeah. the skill development. Is part of this that kids are not as skilled as maybe they used to be? Is that part of that? I was thinking today going, I mean, it, are, are most I, I kids, think they're, yeah. I, I don't know if they're less skilled than they used to be, but they're less skilled going to the left. Yeah than the in general and, right. and that brings up a common question i get well what about a left-handed kid we play our defense the exact same whether we play a right-handed hander or a left-hander hmm. well three years four years ago we played adam miller who's uh was mr basketball went to illinois now he's at lsu he's left-handed well i got news for you it doesn't matter what defense you're playing on adam miller he's going to score 30 in a high school game uh and so we kept our defense intact for him uh, we ended up winning the game. I mean, he still had, I don't know what he had, but it was over 20. So it's not like we shut him down or anything like that, but we could have played a box and one and not shut him down. And so, um, you know, the, the numbers are the numbers in high school basketball, less than 10% of the players are left-handed and the best players are rarely left-handed. Um, and so, you know, I think some of the better players are, it's even less than 10% are left-handed. So, 
Um, you know, we don't change anything with lefties. And we'll get into where we want to get the ball and when, when and how we want to get it there here in a, in a second. But that's one of the questions I get a lot. Do you change anything for lefties? And the answer to that for us is no. Right. Hey, what do you want to start? Because I know you talked about on your video from the – so I think you start mostly on the full court and then you get to the half yep. court uh, probably. Yeah. How do you teach this defense from, state to from day one? Well, here's here's – the secret to coaching, not just this defense, but any defense to me is that you play short-sighted games mm -hmm. in the half court, meaning three on three or four on four, and you score what you want to see. So in other words, you, you, so for, for us, for example, like today we played four on four uh, in the half court at our practice. We only had seven varsity guys because of COVID, but that's another whole story. So we brought exactly. in. So we were, but we were playing four on four. And so we tell them, okay, that the point values are this. A right-handed layup is five points. A left-handed layup is one point. Hmm. Guess what? They're not going to give up. If it's five points, they're not going to give up right-handed layups because they want right. to win, okay? And then we'll, we'll play that way with just those two simple rules for the first three minutes, say. Then we will add, okay? An open three-pointer from the right, an open three-pointer from the right is 10 points. A three-pointer on the left, two points, whatever. And so, and then a mid-range from the left. That's what you want the defense to do. So that's going to be worth the least amount of points. So anything on the right is worth way more than anything on the left. Well, guess what the defense is going to do? They're going to make the ball get onto the left. Right. So we score what we want to see and that's how we play. And so people ask me, well, what's the technique? What's the, and, and we get into that a little bit on the tape, but when, if I was starting this from scratch, I wouldn't even tell the players Hey, we're, we're doing man left or we're, I would play a short sighted game and say, Hey, anything on the right is worth, you know, a layup five, um, a wide open three is worth five. Anything on the right is worth five and anything on the left is worth one. Okay. So the offense is going to clearly try to score to the right and the defense is going to clearly make them go to the left, no matter what technique you use or what type of closeout you use or whatever you use. So, Scoring what you want to see has been the biggest influencer <coughs> of us playing right uh, program-wide. And this can work on offense, defense. It doesn't matter what you want to work on. So scoring what you want to see is the biggest concept that I would pass along to any coaches. Whatever you need to work on, score that. Whatever you want to see, make that worth the most points. So the converse of that is we don't want to see right-handed layups. So we make it worth a lot. So the defense loses if they do that, right? If they get that. And so um, our kids don't want to lose. And so we just start playing like that. If I was starting from scratch. Now, obviously our kids have been kind of molded into this and, and now we've been doing it for a while. So if we're having trouble with, with a concept, like offensively, we call it an extra pass. We call it a click, click, boom. And so, like today in practice, a click, click, boom was worth 10 points. We haven't been sharing the ball as, as much as, as we like to. So we yeah. what we want to see. So that's, that's my first suggestion if I was starting this from scratch. 
Click, click, boom, man. I'm stealing that. I love that, Coach. Man. Yeah. So, so that's a, that, that was a 10 pointer practice today. And so yeah. if you get one click, click, boom, you're going to win because the game is only like three minutes long. And right. so one click, click, boom, you're going to win. So kids want to win. So they'll do whatever you ask them to do and they'll keep doing whatever you score. And then when you get into games, they just play. It's just reaction because they've been drilled so much. Talk about on-ball defense. And I know in the middle third, yep. you're squaring up, right? You're squaring up. Is it containment, pressure? Is, how, how do you do that? This is one of the tweaks that we made. You know, when we first started doing man left, we wanted the ball on the left side by the time it crossed half court. And then if it was on the right side, we would, I don't want to say panic is the right word, but we would be really upset if the ball crossed half court and it was on the right and we would get after our guys. And we found out it wasn't really realistic to influence the ball that much before it got over uh, half court. So we have effectively split the court into thirds now. Okay. And this is in the half court now. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. So in the middle third, when you're guarding in the middle third, we tell our defender, that you have to pressure the ball so there's no surveying. In other words, the guy can't just sit there and look and look and survey and do what he wants, or he can't just dribble, 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 and set up a play. There's got to be enough pressure on him to bother him. And so in the middle third, we tell our guys, the ball's in the middle third. We are not getting beat off the dribble. The one thing that beats this is if somebody beats you and then snakes it back to the right because we have no help to the right at all, okay? So one of the things we found when we were forcing to the left from the middle third in particular, that really good guards were beating us to the left and then snaking it back to the right. And then we had no help. And then, then they were playing three on four or four on three, excuse me. And so then we were giving up layups. So we have, that's one of the big tweaks we've made. First off, splitting the court into thirds and guarding it differently in those thirds. In the middle third, which you ask about, we are pretty much containing. And so then if you're guarding a man to the right, you are denying him. He cannot be entered the ball at all to the right, at all. So you are denying to the right. And then the one pass to the left is basically playing pack line. Uh, and they're gapping and allowing the pass to the left. 95% of the teams, probably more, have been taught, well, just pass it to the open man, find the open man. So Typically, they'll just pass it to the left on their own. Coaches, this is Coach Matt Dennis, and I'm truly excited and blessed to join Coach Furtado on the Championship Vision Podcast. If you're a coach looking to get better at your craft, you're really going to love this episode. If you'd like more great coaching content, I encourage you to check out other episodes on the podcast, as well as to head over to CoachMattDennis.com, where you can join my newsletter and sign up for a free trial of the Coaching Lab where my goal is to help coaches find more success in less time. Hi, this is Matt from Court Cart. The Court Cart is a great way to store your basketballs and is handy at practice. You can lock up 24 men's or 30 women's basketballs with our zippered top. The cart is sturdy and easy to go around the court. The cart is $2.69 with free shipping. The court board is a whiteboard that attaches to the cart so you can draw plays up on the court. The Court Cart court board package is $5.28 with free shipping. You can find out more information on courtcart.com. Coaches, the Championship Vision Podcast 
is proud to announce our new sponsor, Coaches Game Date. What is Coaches Game Date? It's a unique and easy to use web-based platform designed to assist in team and organizational management areas of scheduling, budgeting, communication, and team forms management. On January 10th, it's going to be a proud opening of their website of the Coaches Game Day web-based platform. I can't wait. I will have more information at a later date. Thanks again for Coaches Game Day being part of the Championship Vision podcast. Because that's what's open. And then we got them right where we want them. Now we're, now we're in. Once we get it to the left third, we're keeping it there uh, at all costs. Uh, and so if we give up a left-handed layup, we'll take it and we'll just go the other way with it. Now that's a sim- oversimplification of how we do it. But once it gets to the left, then we are forcing to the gray area, as, as we called it earlier, which is kind of where the lane line and the end line meet out of bounds. That's where we want the ball. That's where we want it forced. And so once it gets to the left third, then it's pretty much over. Um, they can't call anything. They can't run anything. They can't do anything. So this has really helped us with our scouting as well. We don't have to scout every set play. We, as soon as it gets to the left, their play is done. They cannot bring it back to the right. And so um, it, it's really helped us from a scouting standpoint too. Um, so, you know, in, in a nutshell, you're denying one pass to the right. You're gapping passes to the left. And then once it gets to the left, you're keeping it over there. And, and that's an oversimplification for sure. But in a nutshell, that's what we're doing. That's the basic concept of it. So in the full court, it's very similar. We deny to the right still. And we, we invite passes to the left. The best thing for us is a kid dribbling as fast as he can down the left third as fast as he can. That's exactly what we want. We want that. And so we have had to teach our kids not to cut guys off when they're speed dribbling to the left. We do not want that cut off. We do not want him to pick up his dribble. We want him to keep going right. his dribble. And we want to run right next to him until something happens. Okay. And so, you know, that's been another adjustment that we have made in the man left to, to help us and to help our kids. And so if, if you don't, like if you are teaching sixth, seventh, eighth grade, if you could just get that in on the man left, I guarantee you it will help you win games. Just this, what we just talked about. You don't have to get any more. Well, how are you doing ball screens? How are you doing? Doesn't matter. Just do that. What I just said. And so, um, you know, that's it in a nutshell. We want the ball passed ahead in the left third. Like we're inviting them to pass it ahead because once they get it to the left third, it's over. Like we're done with it. It, it, That's exactly where we want it. And so, um, you know, we defend closeouts a little bit different in in each third as well, which I can go over here in a second if you want. But the basic closeout on the left third is you're going to take away two things. You're going to take away the three-point shot and you're going to take away the right-hand drive. Every closeout on the left third should end with him dribbling to the left. That's a successful closeout to us. He decks it going to the left, period. So if you have a closeout on the left third and your man isn't dribbling it to the left, 
after your closeout is over, that's a bad closeout for us. And again, we're not big on technique where you have to lift your left arm and you have to have your feet at a certain angle and all of that stuff. We just tell them this is what we want to have happen because everybody is a little different. You might be a little quicker than me. I might be a little quicker than you. You got to figure that out as a player, what you're good at, what your angle should be. This is what we want to have happen. You have to figure out the technique and that drives some coaches crazy. Like how can you have them figure it out? Well, that's what basketball is. Basketball is figuring it out. And so, um, you know, the coaches that want a ton of control and you do this and then you have to do this, this might not work for you. And our philosophy is, um, you know, we give them concepts and they, they have to play off of those. So it doesn't look perfect every time. It's not exactly right every time, but we drill it enough that and we play the short-sighted games and we score what we want to see enough that our kids have gotten really, really good at it. Rob, it, what's your analytics on, is it, is it all shots pretty much, like a three-pointer, a pull-up, a layup? Is it all less on the left side? I mean, how much analytics are you guys looking at? Yeah, it's all less on the left side. It's wow. all less. But again, we want the, the mid-range is our number one shot that we want as a defense. The layup would be second, and then the three would be third is what we want, okay? So, you know, that people will get in, now what do you want on offense? Well, we want the exact opposite. Of that. <laughs> exactly. You know, <laughs> we want shots in the lane first, in particular on the right side, but we don't play – we run everything to the right. We just want shots in the lane, number one. We want threes, number two. And we want mid-range shots, number three. And people are like, well, that you don't let them shoot. No, I let them shoot whatever shots they think are good. But I, we grade our shots. That's another thing we do on offense. We grade our shots. We, so they know what's a good shot. And if we're having problems wondering what a good shot is, then guess what I do at my short-sighted games? Hey, layups are worth 10. Mm -hmm. are worth five and mid-rangers are worth one guess what shots we're not shooting in the short-sighted games then mid-range okay and our analytics show us for us offensively now i'm talking us on offense but the converse would be true on defense which is what we're talking about we average like 1.4 points per a possession when we get shots in the lane okay for threes we average just under one one point per possession right. and mid range is like 0.73 points per possession. Okay. Now that's for us. So we just flip that around and you know, you can't just flip it around, but you understand what I'm saying. So sure. what we try to do on offense is exactly what we try to stop on defense. Sure. So these things work together really well. They work together really well. And, and, and some of the things that, that I hear sometimes, well, we play pack line, but we try to get out and run as much as we can. That those things don't go together. Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't know, and I never try to tell teams what they should or shouldn't do, but I think our philosophy really matches. And it puts our kids, the kids that we have, and what we're good at in general, uh, puts them in the best position to win. And so um, that's why we do it. Coach, my question is this, because you know what, coaches, we always say that, hey, swing the ball side to side, side to side. I'm thinking like 
Rob Rose is probably just going to say, hey, let's just try to get the ball on the right side and attack. Is that, I mean, what do you do offensively in a sense? You still try to move the defense, but still look for your shots on the right side? We want to score as quickly as possible. So just the converse is true on offense. Like on defense, when we're running man left, we want the possession to end as fast as possible. On offense, we want to score as fast as possible. Okay, so I'll give you an example. Last Tuesday, we played Bradley. And nothing against Bradley, but they we want four four baskets per game that we score after they just scored a basket, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So they made a basket and we want to lay up on the other end. Okay, we want four of those. And we got four of those against Bradley. And it's just heartbreaking for the other team. So we don't, I don't want to say we don't care if they don't score, but if they score, that play is over. We're done with that. We're on to the next thing. And we really want to force tempo and force pace. So offensively, we just play with a lot of pace and we attack space. And so we put our kids in situations that they can attack the space. And now if it's in the half court, we might have to give them an action to create some of that space. Okay. Or we might have to do, uh, you know, a Spain action or a Chicago action or a Miami action. That's just what we call it. Um, where we get some space to attack. And then we always want to attack the lane and we attack the lane for somebody else typically. Um, and, and that's a little bit different than, so we tell our guys to get on, to get in, get off a one, two step, get on two feet, like Velanova or somebody like that is a really good example. Um, and then create something for somebody else. Now, obviously if we can score in there, we do that as well. And we do a lot of stuff where we, you know, do you have an arm read, a shoulder read, or a chest read? Meaning if you see an arm read, you're just going to break it. We call it break the branches. Well, if you just see an arm read, you're going right through that and you're scoring. If you see a shoulder read, then that's when you have a decision to make. If you see a chest read, then that means you're getting off of two feet to prevent the charge. And so, again, we probably lead the country in charges. So it doesn't doesn't always work, um, but that's because we are so – we, we hammer them that we want to get to the lane, get to the lane, get to the lane. And so they do. And sometimes they make the, they make a bad read. And so um, that's what we practice on offense is spacing the floor and then attacking space. And I know that's probably another podcast uh, for you, but I think our offensive philosophy and our defensive philosophy really, really mirror one another uh, and they really complement one another. Um, and that's why one of the reasons why we've been, been able to be successful. I guess, I guess my question, I think you probably answered it. Um, but you want on offense, you want majority of your shots on the right side. Correct. Yeah, I mean, we don't, we don't really, we don't really care on offense. <laughs> they come from, we just, right. we want to score quickly and teams right. know this now. And, and, you know, I, I was at home uh, in Iowa last week. Uh, visiting family just because we had a couple days off and I went to Northern Iowa practice, Ben Jacobson's practice. And mm-hmm. he was asking me, what do we do about rebounding? We have not worked on rebounding in years because everybody gets five guys back against us. We don't work on rebounding because everybody is afraid to hit the offensive glass because they know we're gone. And so, you know, we don't really work on rebounding. And that drives coaches crazy too. Like when I say that at clinics, like, oh my God, this is blasphemy. 
this guy has never worked on rebound. And he, I mean, we haven't, we, we don't work on rebounding. Now this year we have a six, nine and a, and a six, five guy that's really thick and can really rebound. So that helps that, that we have guys like that, but we don't really work on rebounding. Um, and so that's why is because most teams just get back against us and they're so afraid of our pace that they don't hit the offensive glass hardly at all. And if they would, now I'm probably giving something away here. If they would, they would beat us because we don't, we don't ever work on it. We, we don't ever work on rebound ever. Yeah. So if they're listening to this podcast, maybe you might get some changes. Like- yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, if, if I was, if I was playing us, if I was playing us, but teams are afraid to do this. If I was playing us, I would pressure us all over the place because we're not used to it. Nobody does it. Mm-hmm. And I would hammer the offensive glass. I would send three, maybe even four in there and just take my chances. Because even if you send your guys back, we're going to get a layup every now and then anyways. So you're better off smashing the glass against us. But teams don't because everybody is so ingrained in this traditional mindset like, got to get back. We got to get back. We got to get them playing in the half court. And, and that's effective sometimes. And we do lose some games against teams that do it really, really well. Right. Uh, but we also get out and move uh, as well, too. Yeah, offensive rebounding so vital, just psychologically, yes. man. To get some, no doubt. Because I mean, the shooting percentage. I mean, nobody's going to shoot. You know, if they shoot seventy percent, maybe hey, uh, you're hard to beat just because of that, man. You got an advantage already. Yes, and guess guess who wouldn't run out so much and get so many baskets if they got if the other team got a couple rebounds? Because I would call timeout and yell at my guys, and then they wouldn't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. You would t- completely take that away if you would just hit the glass on us. So. Um, you know, if I'm playing us, anybody listening, I would I would just destroy the offensive glass. That's right. Yeah, all your league opponents will be listening. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, <laughs> Next game, they have guys, four guys crashing the boards. So. Yes, I'm gonna be like, what are we doing? Now we got to work on rebounding. And Thanks. You're gonna hate me forever now. No. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I'm never coming on again. I'm never coming on again. Never. Man. <laughs> yeah, I want to get you on about your offense, man. Your your yes. pace and pace, but but um, hey, I um, talk about your rotations though, because yeah. I'm thinking, are you? We like to trap on the baseline, so obviously yeah. we're going to rotate our bottom eye defender trap and get yeah. them stuck there. How do you guys rotate? Well, we here's my philosophy on the rotating. Okay, and this is probably a little counterintuitive as well. We want to be as in little rotation as possible. Um, and so one of the things we changed this year, and, well, not this year, most kind of, we started tweaking it last year, but, and, and I put this on the video too, is when a guy is driving to the left, we used to, you know, pack line it, and then he would, he would pass it to the guy in the corner, and then we would close out. But we were giving up way too many threes. Now we don't even, we don't help with that guy at all. He fakes and fades, we call it. Yeah. It looks like he's going to help, but he stays with his man. So we're taking the contested layup rather than the closeout three because we were just getting pummeled by good shooting teams that were sticking their best three-point guy in the left corner, and they would just penetrate kick, and he would just catch shoot, and then we would be getting pummeled by that. So we have made that adjustment. So we, two, three years ago, we were doubling with our big that was waiting at the helpline in the gray area. Okay. But we found that we were in rotation too much. So now we don't double at all. So we just tell our guy to force to that gray area 
And if it's a contested left, we tell them don't foul and just contest it. Okay. Now, obviously, our six nine guy who happens to have COVID right now, so he isn't going to be, which right. he probably shouldn't say on this podcast because that would give some stuff away from next week. But anyways, right, it's, right. it's okay. I'll edit. He, he yeah, he's standing there, so he can erase a lot of of that stuff coming to the left because he knows it's coming. And so, um, but we we haven't been doubling anymore. So we just wall up. If the guy picks it up right there, he just walls up, we call it. So we have to have some chest, some part of our chest on the body of the ball handler. And then we just wall up and, you know, without fouling. And so um, that's kind of how we do it. So we are not in rotation very much at all. And I know there's a coach out there listening right now. Well, what if you get in rotation, you're going to get in rotation, which is true. We are going to get in rotation because, what beats this sometimes is guys that dribble hard to the left, jump and skip it like a hammer action, something like that, or a jump skip pass. Then we might be in some sort of rotation. And here's what we tell our guys. And this sounds simple, but it's what we do. We just tell them to fix it as fast as they can. So we don't have a specific coverage where one guy goes here and then you go here and then you go here. We just tell them to fix it. And literally when we practice this at practice, I have one of my coaches just yelling, fix it, fix it, fix it. And so when, when we're in rotation, which we are sometimes, we just tell our guys to fix it as fast as they can. And so then the principles really of your man left really come into fruition now because now they're skipping it and a guy's catching it on the right. Well, we don't practice hardly any closeouts to the right because that rarely happens for us. We are rarely closing out on the right side unless the skip happens or we're in some sort of rotation. So when you close out to the right now, you for sure cannot get beat to the right, okay, when you're on the right-hand third. Um, and you have to be straight up because we don't want to give up direct drives even to the left because then he's snaking it back to the right with an easy right-hand layup. So we tell our guys that the closeout to the right is – he should end up decking it, but almost away from the basket, if that makes sense. So again, can't survey, can't do any of that stuff, can't shoot the three, um, but he should be decking it to the left, but away from the basket, away from the basket. So, um, and then we just figure it out because then the guy that's guarding the guy at the top of the key, he's now gapping because we want the ball at the top of the key from the right-hand side. So he doesn't really have to close out or anything. He just needs to get to his gap position. So we don't have to be in rotation for that long because we're not running all around to grab these guys because we're in man left. Right. And so it helps on our rotations too, because we don't have near as far to go, except for on the first guy, the first skip, obviously we got to get all the way out there and we just tell it to fix it. So we don't have a specific system where the bottom guy goes here, the top guy goes here. We don't do that. And, a lot of traditional coaches, it drives them nuts that, that we don't do that. But again, we start our short, like we'll start our short-sighted game with, hey, dribble it hard to the left and skip it. That's how we start. And then we play. And then we score what we want to see. So if that kid hits a three, then that's worth 10 points because we, we can't have that. Right. If they get the ball back to the left and then they hit a three on the left-hand side, that's worth a regular three points. Now, a regular three on the left shouldn't happen either, but that's way better for us than a right, something on the right side. Anything on the right side is like, we, we don't want that. 
So, Rob, how, yeah, how do you keep everything on um, on the left side? Are you in? Yeah, I'm assuming you're. I mean, you're 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 probably not in gaps or in total denial. Uh, next pass is correct. I mean, how, yeah, so if the ball's on the left third, so we're denying everything back to the right. So we're switching, like if there's a pin down on the right-hand side or there's some sort of split action on the right-hand side to get those guys open, we're switching all of that to, to deny. So we're almost, it's so funny. It, it, you can watch some of our tapes sometimes and it almost looks like we're in a zone, but we're not. Um, because of all the switching that's happening on the right-hand side, because we do not want the ball coming back to the right. Okay. Now let's be honest. It's going to come back some of the time, but sure. usually it just gets back to the middle and then we're able to deny it to the right again. And then it goes right back to the left because we're allowing that to go back there. Oh, yeah. And, and so teams will take it to the left on their own. I would say 90% of the time. And, and so, you know, if there's a ball screen on the left third, or a ball screen in the middle third, we, we, we defended the whole, the, the same. We have not had a ball screen on the right third all season. We were nine games in, there has not been one ball screen on the right third to us all year. So we don't, we don't ever practice that. We don't, we don't ever practice it. If it happens once we'll defend it the same exact way we do in the middle third, which, which is the same way we defend it in the left third. And that is, we want it going back to the left. Okay. So we ice everything um, coming back to the middle mm -hmm. and then we flat switch everything going to the left and we flatten it out. And so um, we used to just have our big guy stay back in the lane, like almost in the gap, but then we had really good guards turning the corner and just going downhill on our big. And then that was not good. Uh, and, and we had some really good guards that we play against and them going full speed right at our, bigs was not a good scenario for us so now we flat switch um going to the left and then we ice everything that's trying to come back to the right and then we just keep it over to the left and so again sounds simple but this is what we drill so when we're playing our short-sided games and we're working on ball screens we'll just start it with a ball high ball screen on the left third or the middle third and then that's how we'll play and then we'll score score it however we want to score so like if we're having problems defending ball screens, then that's what we'll work on in our short-sighted games. And so we, if you come to practice uh, tomorrow, coach, we will play short-sighted games for probably an hour right. we'll shoot and we'll be done. And that's it. And people are be like, well, that's, that's the number six team in the state. This is it. This is it. And, and so we'll do some game planning the day before for the team that we're going to play. Um, and we'll run against some of the defenses that they, you know, give us. But we basically play short-sided games, we shoot, and then we go home. Um, and so, you know, there's not a lot to it, and that drives people nuts too. Like, there's no way he can be doing that. That's exactly what we did today. Now, part of today, we only had eight guys because of COVID and all that stuff. So um, we're adjusting because of that a little bit. Um, but it's, it's very simplistic, uh, but effective. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I love that. I love the short-sighted games and so forth. You're allowing kids to kind of play through things as well. Uh, I think we're a little bit too drill-oriented as, as coaches sometimes. Um, but uh, I'm really a contrarian to all the old-school guys that want control <laughs> of their teams, and they want them to do it exactly a certain way. 
Um, and some people at clinics just cannot believe, like I'll take questions. Well, what is your technique on the closeout? Like, what are you two hands pitter patter? I don't, I don't care. I don't care. I tell I want the result to be, and I tell, and I score it as such. And so they will figure it out. And that's what, that's what basketball is. We want random basketball. We want random basketball on offense. And we know basketball is going to be random on defense because we don't know exactly what the other team's going to do. We know their tendencies. We know their sets that they run the most, but lock left, uh, man left and lock left blows all that up and they can't do all that stuff. So um, it's, it's really been great for our kids too. Cause you know, we're not, we're not scouting 50 set plays and we don't have to remember every set play that they do because everything nowadays starts off pretty much the same off a box set, off a horn set, something like that. And we're defending all that stuff, the, the exact same. So, um, you know, it's really been good for our guy, for our guys. Coach, um, before you get into, uh, well, you, you pretty much did with your short-sighted games. I want to yeah. give you kind of your best drill and so far. I shouldn't have yep. said drill. Short-sighted it's okay. game. It's okay. To teach it because I, I definitely, I, I, you know, I've seen it on the video. By the way, yep. the video is really well done. I recommend coaches, if you want to learn this system, definitely check out. Breakthrough does a great job on filming this. Um, is this help your players become better left-handed players? You know, I, since you're forcing it? it you know, to, I know that the man left works because, you know, obviously we have to go against some just like pack line and some other stuff. So sometimes our guys are going against pack line. Sometimes our guys are going to get just regular man because we can't practice against man left all the time because we don't see any of that. Right. Every time I say to, to our top guys who are playing against our second unit, Every time I say, okay, we're in man left, the second unit, it just goes, oh, every time. <laughs> I mean, it's right. every single time. Yeah. You know, because when we do a short-sighted game or even when we're doing three possessions or five possessions, <clears throat> whatever the drill is, um, I always say, okay, this is what we're doing on offense. This is what we're doing on defense. Go. And so when I say we're man left, the team that's going against man left always is like, oh. At Dr. Dish Basketball, we're creating basketball shooting machines that accelerate player performance. With features like on-demand workouts, multiplayer stat tracking, and instant analytics, Dr. Dish Basketball is the number one source for basketball training. Whether you're training in your driveway, running a practice, or developing a workout program, we have the most innovative training solutions to help your players practice like they play. And just for listening to this podcast, you qualify for an exclusive discount. Just mention Championship Vision Podcast to your sales rep when you call in. For more information, visit drdishbasketball.com or call 952-873-2633. Again, that number is 952-873-2633. And remember, be better every day. This is Mike May, creator and owner of Practice Planner Live Software. I'm excited about partnering with Kevin Furtado and Championship Vision Podcasts. We share a common passion of helping basketball coaches be more effective in their profession. With over 26 years of basketball coaching experience, I created Practice Planner Live with the purpose of saving coaches valuable time in creating efficient and effective practice plans. John Wooden once said, if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. 
Practice Planner Live can take your practice planning to a whole nother level with tools and functionality that will maximize your team's ability to reach their potential. Jeez. So they, I know it works because they hate going against it. And so um, you just can't run your stuff against it if you do it right. And so it's, it's kind of unconventional and traditional coaches, um, you know, balk at it a little bit, but you have to take the weaknesses of it and just go with the strengths of it. And so Again, I'm a big believer in it's not what you do, it's how you do it. And I think we've we've not perfected it by any means, but we've gotten good enough at it that it works for us. And too many coaches, and I'm the same way, you know, if if, if something doesn't work right away, sometimes I just scrap it and go to something else. This is something that you got to kind of let. That's why if guys are, you know, nervous about doing it or ladies are nervous about doing it, just try it as your out of timeout defense. Try it as your end of quarter defense. Like if a team, if there's 20 seconds left and a team's just dribbling and wait for the last shot, that's a perfect time. Mm-hmm. Go man left. It will, whatever set they're calling, whether you know it or not, is not going to work if you go man left on them. It's just not if you do it right. Okay. Now the other team might have a really good player and might make a play and all that stuff, but it just takes all of that away. Uh, and they cannot do what they want to do with the man left. They just can't. And so um, that's what has been a huge benefit for us. Coach, how can we use it? I'm a multiple defense guy because I, yep. um, you know, we don't have the, the best athletes in this. Uh, we feel like we're effective. So we have to do different things, uh, particularly on the girls' side, to mess up the other team's point guard. Yep. And, um I mean, we'll go from one, three, one, and we were a pressing yeah. team. We'll go two, three zone. We'll half court trap, man to man, all sorts of stuff. I believe we can do this. And this is what we've been installing. We're forcing left in all of our defense. Yeah. I, I think, you know, we have tried to, you know, implement the left piece of it into some of our zones. And I have turned into one of those old school coaches, like doesn't work exactly right. So I just, Scrap it and then just go to a traditional zone if we want to play zone. And then we go to man left if we want to do that. So I, you know, I think especially a one, three, one, maybe even a three, two, even a two, three, really. Once you get it over there, it's over there. And it, it, it's almost like you're in a zone to begin with sure. once it gets over there. And so, you know, that's why we like our big six, nine guy at the helpline. So sometimes we don't even tell him who he's guarding. We just tell him to go there. And then it doesn't matter where his guy goes. Like we'll have our best on ball defender go to who's ever guarding the ball. I mean, it seems simplistic and it is. So you can do all of these concepts within the man left, or you can mold it into your zone as well. And I think especially with girls, um, this w- might work even better because as a general rule, and I'm not trying to get you know mud thrown at me here, but as a general <laughs> rule, girls aren't quite strong enough to throw that skip pass. Mm-hmm. They're not quite uh, strong enough to throw one-handed passes across the lane and, and all of that stuff. And I'm not talking about the top. I'm not talking, I'm just talking in general. Obviously the top players, it's just like boys. The top players can do whatever they want to do just sure. like 
girls. The top girls are going to be able to do whatever they want to do. But in general, um, the guys can't handle the ball with their left as well as they can with their right in general. And that would be true in the, in the ladies as well. So, um, you know, I think you can mold bits and pieces of this into your zone defense, into your man defense, even your out-of-bounds under defense. We kind of use a version of this out-of-bounds under. We do a little different system than man left out-of-bounds under. Um, we kind of play like a 3-1 zone. And then as soon as it gets in, we're man left. So we're technically zone switching everything um, until it gets in. And then as soon as the ball's in, then we're man left. And so that's another thing that I've talked about at clinics before. And that's another podcast. And I promise you, I'll, call, I'll come back on. I was just joking about that. Part two, part two, Rob. Yeah, yeah. So, you're setting yourself up. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, um, you know, that's been really successful for us out of bounds under as well. So, um, you know, but then as soon, like I said, as soon as it gets in, then we're man left. And so um, that's just what's been able to work for us. But we've been doing it for so long. And my assistants are so akin to, akin to it uh, and keen on, you know, making the adjustments. I mean, those guys watch way more film than I do. I get a lot of credit. I get to come on these podcasts and they do a lot of the work uh, of it. And so I'm really fortunate for, for my assistants who, who do a great job. And both of them are former head coaches. They, they understand what it's like to sit where I sit and they understand the, the hierarchy and all the other things that, that come on my plate. Um, and, and so that's been a real big part of our success as well. Absolutely. Rob, can you give us uh, your best breakdown? Um, small sided games. Okay. Yeah. All right. What, what, I mean, what's the best way you do for, I know the best way to do it is to purchase the video and to yeah. ask you and to contact you, but and I'm not, I'm not into, like I told the breakthrough video, the, I don't care if that thing sells one video or I don't care. Uh, I, I want, I want to just help people as much as possible. I had never made a video before. I had never, like, when they first called me, I was like, there is nobody going to buy this. Like, nobody. Now, I've been very shocked that a lot of people have bought this. But <laughs> So, right. you know, I, I, I prefer doing stuff like this and prefer just, you know, talking to people and helping them out. So, you know, obviously, I'm not opposed to people buying the video. But, I mean, you can always call me, email me, you know, whatever. So. Yeah. I've forgotten even what the question was that, that you asked me. <laughs> What's your, I mean, you have like a, like a DNA, yeah, so, your best drill for that. Yeah. I, I, I would say defensively, just score what you want to see. And usually for us, it's, we give mega points for an open three. So even if a guy gets an open three off and doesn't make it, it's five for us. Okay. If, and then, so like, here, here's a short-sighted game we played about a week ago because we were having problems with left-sided, left, left third closeouts. So we said any left third closeout that doesn't end with a dribble to the left is five points. Mm -hmm. So if a kid caught it and dribbled it to the right, that, that team got five points. Well, guess what? The defense is not going to let them do. There's no way they're going to let them dribble it to the right if that's five points. So we'll, we'll give points for whatever we need to work on. So I don't, I don't have like a, a set one, but like tomorrow we will build on what we did today. And it's our last practice before Christmas. We'll have two days off. Um, but 
we we had we were having issues a, a, a little over a week ago with our left hand closeouts, and, and guys were dribbling it to the right after that. How can that even be? So, our next short sided game, anything dribbled to the right, they got five points for it. Well, guess what? Never happened in that short sided game. A dribble to the right. right. And so just score whatever you want to see is my biggest piece of advice Great point. Uh, to anybody. And then we play, when we play five on five, we play one possession, three possessions, five possessions. Those are kind of the extent of it. And then we will score some of those games with whatever we want to see as well. Okay. And then sometimes we'll let them go a little bit longer, but again, whatever you want to see, give that points give it value and then your guys or girls will do exactly what you want to see like the click click boom example that i gave before if you want to see more click click boom then a click click boom is worth worth five or ten okay and so like we will score a click click boom is worth five even if you get it off you don't even have to make it if you make it it's worth ten so just the action itself is worth um points and so and, and the other thing we, we do that's really helped us, and, and this is hard to do at the beginning, but we chart effort. We chart effort. And so we, this is more so on the offensive end than it is on the defensive end, but it transfers to the defensive end. So our first three to five games or so, I have one of my assistants go through every single possession that we go from defense to offense. Did our guy run as fast as he can to wherever he was running to? Hmm. So there's five guys out there on each possession. So every possession, there's five marks. You either get a plus or a minus. And if you ran as hard as you can, you got a plus. No matter what happened, if you didn't run as hard as you can, you got a minus. So offense, de both offense, defense. Both, defense. Okay. yes. And so... We only do it because it takes so many man hours to, to right. watch that. We only do it for the first three or three to five games, depending on how ornery I want to get. Sure. Um, but then if, if a kid is anywhere under 95 plus, then that is unacceptable. It's, it's completely unacceptable. And then after we have a baseline of it, and, and this, hopefully our kids don't hear, then I just make up the numbers after that. You know what I mean? Like if a kid's not going hard, like Johnny, it, it's our 20th game. Hey, we looked at the tape and you, were on, you only won your, we call it win your race, but yeah. you only won your race 89% of the time. That is unacceptable, okay? And so after the first five, you know, I have a baseline of numbers. Then I don't make my assistants do it for every single game. Right. So once they know that you are charting effort, guess what happens to the effort? It's always there, right. it's always there. And so that's in large part how we play at the pace that we do and the intensity that we do, because now we're, we're game nine, so this will be game 10 coming up next week. I'm not charting it, but they think I'm charting it. And so they, now we don't, we don't win our race every single time and you can come to our games and you can see us jogging and all of that stuff. But I'm telling you that has really helped us charting the efforts of our guys. And so, and that's the only thing that people are like, well, what about, 
deflections and what about we don't do all we, are you are you going as hard as you can period that's it from three point line to three point line are you going as hard as you can and so that's helped us as well because if they're going hard they're going to do whatever it is you're asking them to do better than if they're not going hard and then here's another concept that I bring up with the pace and race and space and pace and all of that stuff. The more complicated you make it, the less hard they go. Because then instead of running hard, they're thinking about something else. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so we want to make it as simple as possible for our guys and for your ladies, whoever, whoever you're coaching. I don't mean to, I just happen to coach guys. So that's why yeah. I say that. But we want it as simple as possible. And, you know, if you give them more stuff to do, then they can't go as hard doing it. And I know it's like, well, I want our kids to do both. Okay. Well then give them more stuff and you just watch them, watch them slow down. Exactly. It happens all the time. So, and I get the coaches that say, well, I want them to be able to do both. And I get that, but I also get my kids understand, Hey, attack space. That's it. Like people at, well, what do you do against the zone? You can't, well, we attack space. We get in triangles and we attack the space that the zone gives us. We don't have a zone offense per se. And sometimes it looks like that. Like I get it. Sometimes it looks like we don't have a zone offense. But if I want to, I can call a set or I can call an action. I try not to do that, but sometimes I need to do that. <clears throat> and our guys, I tell them, if you want to be like every other high school, and you want to come down here and me run set after set after set after set, keep, keep making mistakes. And then I'll chess piece you and you'll become a robot. And they don't want to do that. They don't want to do that. So they attack space and make good decisions consequently. So it's a little give and take. It's just like I, I, I liken it to parenting sometimes. You know, you got to give them a little slack, but then sometimes you need to pull a little slack back when they're taking it too far. And it's just like that with your team and you guys and ladies know your teams better than I know your teams. So you have to decide what's too much and what's not enough, but it shouldn't be because you want to show them a bunch of plays that, you know, or a bunch of actions that you think are going to work. You want your kids to be able to play random basketball and be successful doing it. And so that's kind of our over umbrella philosophy um, basketball is very random. You don't know what's going to happen. And anybody who thinks they do know what's going to happen, uh, they don't. You don't know how many times I go into a timeout and I'll say, somebody's got to make a play. We're going to make a play. I'll tell you what I want you to do. He's going to be telling his team what he wants them to do. Somebody's going to have to make a play because there's going to be a loose ball. Something's going to go. I mean, you got to be able to play. And so, again, the, the old school guys who want control of the thing have some issues with my contrarian philosophy sometimes. <laughs> right, right. Coach, I love that. I, I, I definitely agree with that effort side. Uh, we actually grade, we call it, we call it four and 32, which means we want a four second sprint for 32 minutes. Like, I mean, I like that. So yeah. we really, we, I mean, and our girls now, we might not make a lot of shots, but our girls play hard. <laughs> and yeah. I think we're very similar in that. I don't think enough kids sprint the floor, man. Yes. I see it all the time. Um, 
And, and that's uh, a question I get a lot. How do you get your kids to go so hard? Well, I don't know if it's anything I do. I think first off that the kids trust me or else they wouldn't go hard. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't continue to play hard. And we've had a moniker of success, which is, which is helpful. And we've had some really good players come back and, you know, really be proponents of the program and all of that stuff. So, you know, that's all helped, but ultimately going hard is a skill and it's a skill that you have to have or, or else you're not going to be successful. And so we talk about all the time with our guys, the, like I said, at the beginning, basketball is just what brings us together. You can use what we're doing here when you get out of here. And if you can't use what we're doing here, when you get out of here, then I have not done a really good job. And so um, the philosophies and, you know, being good teammates and all of those things, we have one rule, be a good teammate. That's it. We don't have all of this, be a good teammate. That's it. And good teammates aren't late. Good teammates don't um, not go hard. I mean, there's been one time in practice this year where I've said, Hey fellas, this is not fair to anybody. You're just not going hard. And so Another thing that we've done in the past is they can call a timeout in practice to get themselves together before I get on them. Because if I start controlling it, then we're going to practice going really hard. And that's nobody wants to do that. If we're not going to go hard, we're just going to practice going hard. And nobody wants that. And so I don't want that either. Uh, I don't put on my practice plan. Hey, let's run them into the ground because they're not going hard. That's never on my practice plan. And so I don't want to work on that either. But sometimes as a coach, especially the head coach, my job is to make sure that they go hard. Uh, and, and when that's not happening, that's when I have a problem. Yeah, absolutely. So you're giving them the ownership, right? I think all, I think you're all right. your great coaches do yes. that. The players have to take ownership, right? I there, mean. There's no doubt. And, and my, and this, this rubs some people the wrong way too. The most important thing for us is that our guys are healthy and fresh for games. So you will not see at Bowling High School two and a half hour practice. It will not happen. And so one of the reasons I think we've been able to be successful is because our guys are fresh and our guys are healthy. Our guys are ready to go. Now the COVID has played a little bit of a, put a little wrench into that. Um, but our guys, you know, typically are, are fresh and ready to go. And it's, it's not perfect. We lose games too. And we're going to lose some uh, uh, here coming up. So, uh, but the flip side of that is if you'd have told me we were nine and oh, at this point of this season with the group that I have nothing against the group, cause I love them. Um, you know, I would have said you're nuts because we've beaten two top 10 teams along the way. And we played, you know, kind of better than I expected us to. So, um, you know, a lot of that's because we have good players, but a lot of it is because they, we put them in a, a spot to be successful. Yeah, and I uh, I watched some of your video clips. Of course, Huddle has it's all good plays. So, yeah, yes, 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 yes. You have some players, man. I, I yeah. love watching you guys, man. You guys really you do get up and down the floor, and I absolutely love that. Um, and on Max Preps has you number one. Uh, yeah, I said I put that on Twitter the other day. Like, with all <laughs> due respect to to the other teams, Max Preps might have it a little mixed up because uh, I think if you ask, you know, any. I don't want to say that max preps isn't logical, but anybody but, that watches Illinois high school basketball, including myself, I would not put the Boingbrook Raiders at number one. In fact, I would probably put us, I would put us a lot. I mean, I would probably put us like 15 to 20, but you know, yeah. most people put us between the, 
you know, six and 10 or something like that. And that, you know, whether that's accurate, that's somebody else to, to figure out, but uh, you know, putting us a number one. Uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You never want to be number one early, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And we've been <laughs> several years ago, we were number one for like, I don't know, 12 straight weeks or something like that. Yeah. You know, that was, that was fun, but that was the best team that I, that I have ever had. So, um, you know, that, that was a fun, fun season, but uh, this, this one's proven to be fun too. Now, hopefully this COVID won't, uh, won't uh, take it a different direction. Yeah, it's really crazy right now. It's almost coming back to where it was. Now, we're yeah. in Georgia, so yeah. nothing has affected us yet. Uh, and there's no really, there's no protocol right now. Like last year, we were testing our players every yeah. day. Um, yeah. Not this year. Illinois is changing. You said it's changing out there, right? Yeah, it really is. Well, we're one of the few schools that's testing our athletes. So I feel a little bit better about it than some uh, because some of the schools that are not testing, you know, they're losing their whole teams at a time. Well, we're testing. And so I had, like I said, eight guys at practice today, um, five positive guys at home. So, you know, I know that the eight that are in front of me are not positive. So that's, that's really good. And yeah. the schools that aren't testing, um, you know, once one gets it, they kind of shut the whole thing down. Um, so I'm actually glad that we're one of the schools that is testing. At first, I was not so happy about it, but now uh, uh, it, it's it's kind of kind of helpful. We had about 40 games last weekend canceled because of COVID, and so um, you know I'm just hoping we get through this holiday section here, and then hopefully uh, we can move move in the right direction. But I I think it's you know I'll leave my personal opinions out of it, but uh, you know I think we got to kind of move we've got to just keep going here and get through this and keep, keep it, keep it going if we can. And I'm not anybody getting sick and I'm not for any, putting anybody at risk. That's not what I'm saying, but it seems like we're going to have to live with this thing for longer than we thought. And we're just going to have to kind of get through this and, and be able to, to, you know, motate, uh, you know, around it. Right. That's a great point, coach. I think, yeah, I mean, um, it's just something we're going to have to live with for a while. Yes. We're have to deal with it. You're right. Uh, of course, we got the media, man, and that's a whole oh. other issue there. But that's, uh, we'll leave that one alone. But, yeah. um, Rob, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, yep. Any final words for a coach going, I, you know, I really like what he's saying. I mean, yeah. uh, can he install it uh, like, like me? I, I'm installing it now. Uh, yeah. I don't care. I'm, I, I think it's a great concept that you can put in now. Yeah, I, I think you can use bits and pieces of it immediately, um, even, you know, in the middle of your season. And like I said, it can be one of the defenses that you use, like ATO situations, end of quarter situations. Those would be perfect times. And, you know, I get, especially at the end of the season when the playoffs are ramping up, I'll get calls from, you know, guys from really all over the country well, what would you do if you saw this? Well, I would, I would run man left on that and blow that up. And, um, you know, if people haven't started doing it, it's hard to implement it with one week to go and you're playing in the state semifinals. Right, sure. uh, it's really hard. And, and I get that piece. So if you start putting it in now, um, you don't even have to use it now. Maybe use it the second time through conference or maybe start using it at playoff time. Or maybe just use it like one or two possessions out of a timeout or end of quarter situations and see how it goes. 
but I'm telling you, teams will not be able to run their stuff if you do it correctly. And if people don't know it's coming, then it's, it's almost impossible. So now teams have scouted us enough that a few teams kind of know it's coming. Now the video's out and I'm doing these podcasts like this. People start to, to, to figure it out a little bit, um, which, which is good too, because then we have to make adjustments. And so I, I'm an open book, you guys, you know, I'll, I'll record my practice and send it to the team I'm playing. I don't care. Um, so, you know, I think teams can implement this as they can. And the other thing in, in that I'll tell everybody is feel free to call me or text me or email me. Um, uh, you know, during the season, it might take me a day or two to get back to you, but cause I get so many of those, but I, I will help anybody with anything, whether it's this, whether you want to talk about uh, pace of, of play and how we do that. Um, maybe that'll be our next, next podcast coach. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm happy to, to do that. I've presented a bunch of that stuff online. Um, already so I do have a bunch of stuff of that nice nice prepared. um <laughs> day I was a little not prepared but um you know as far as video and that stuff goes but um you know I, I would tell everybody just feel free to email me text me whatever it is um you know my my email is b-r-o-s-t-r-c so it's brost r-c at vvsd.org that stands for valley view school district.org um, is my email and my cell phone is 630-965-9813 uh, people are think i'm crazy when i give out my cell phone but i mean that, that hasn't been an issue i don't i don't foresee i can always block numbers and all that stuff so I, i'm really honest when i say you know i'll try to help you as much as i can like I said, I think I might have mentioned it today. I talked to a coach from Arkansas uh, earlier today and yesterday. I talked to a coach in California. So, you know, I, I'm an open book and will help anybody, uh, you know, with anything. Plus, Rob, you got your video on breakthrough basketball. Yeah, no uh, doubt. which I, I didn't I didn't want to be like a shameless plug to that. I'm, I'm well, not. I will. I will. I'll, I'll promote but, you. <laughs> coach, I appreciate I appreciate you uh, watching. Like I said, I haven't seen it from start to finish, but. You know, it was really fun to make, and I think it's helpful to coaches at many different levels, and you could take bits and pieces of it, uh, implement it as you see fit. So I appreciate it, uh, Coach, for, for your plug, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to increase your income. <laughs> I know, and I, I said, when they asked, like I said, when they asked me to do the video, I was like, you know, who wants a washed-up guy from Bolingbrook High School, originally from Iowa? Nobody going to buy that. Oh, man. Sure enough, first 24, 48 hours, he told me how many people had bought it. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. I guess, I guess, yeah, for sure. I guess somebody's using it. So we got, we also recorded the offense one, the pace and space and yeah. playing at an uncomfortable pace. So I think they're working on that one. That one's going to come out in a little bit as well. So another shameless plug, but I'd be happy to come on again and talk offense too. Uh, any guys want, and, you know, I've presented online uh, through Zoom several times on the offense stuff. So I got stuff all queued up and ready to go for that one. That'd be great. Rob, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you taking the time uh, out of the time. holidays here a little bit to oh, kind of share with our, our listeners. Dude, I'm not doing a thing. This is the best time of year I get to go tomorrow. I get to go to practice and then I'm done. That's it. So uh, any, any podcast, any, anything like that, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. All right, coach. Thank you so much, man. Hey, you're now part of the championship vision family, man. So, hey, yeah. Uh, 
I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate uh, everything you're doing. And, uh, you know, basketball has been great to me. And I, I, I thank you for having me on. And I look forward to, to meeting everybody down the road once we get this COVID over and we can, we can get out and about again. And, and uh, thanks, thanks again for having me on, Coach. All right, Robert, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it, Coach. Thank you. All right, take care. Bye-bye. All right, you too. Coaches, I'd like to welcome our new Championship Vision podcast sponsor, Huddle Assist. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stance like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to learn more. Huddle will also be at the Legends at the Grove Clinic on September 12th at Walnut Grove High School in Loganville, Georgia. Come stop by our table to chat and see what we have to offer.